Welcome to the Black Sheep Recovery Warfare Podcast, where it is our mission to debunk the lies of the enemy and announce freedom to those still lost in the darkness and addiction. Welcome to another edition of the Black Sheep Recovery Warfare Podcast. I am Brother Phoenix, joined again, reunited, and it feels so good with Palmer. That guy on the intro, he sounds familiar. Yes, he does. Man, Do I'm not adjust your screens. I am back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining. Thank you for uh, coming today to um, to do this episode, Palmer. It, it, this is going to be a great episode. I've got one of my closest friends, um, um, brothers in Christ, with me, Shane Rogers, today. And uh, man, I, I've been looking forward to this episode for a while. But first order of business, I have a sister in Christ. That we are very close. Yes, her name is. It's a very special day. Uh, her name is Chelsea Grantham. We love her so much, and we just want yes, to. Get, we, we just want to wish her a very, very, very happy unbirthday. Happy unbirthday. Happy unbirthday. Yeah, she told me I was. You know, I was kind of going to try to plan something, plan to do something. You know, she's like, I want an unbirthday. You know, and I was like, okay, well, whatever. Right. <laughs> but I have. I still haven't looked look into it. From all of us to you. Yo, happy, happy, happy birthday from the Black Sheep Crew. crew. Yeah. Amen. So, <laughs> Mike, what's up, Shane? What's up, brother? Hey, what's up, Palmer? <clears throat> you know, up, he 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 said that you're one of his closest friends, but last time we were all together, he left you at the point. I guess he thought I needed more church and in my I, system. I had to take you home first. And you, first and foremost, folks, let me let me clarify something. Okay? <laughs> I would never intentionally leave my brother anywhere. But if I was to leave him somewhere, he it left would definitely you for DJ Win. <laughs> he did that. If I was if I was going to intentionally leave him anywhere, it would be at a church. Everybody left with DJ Win to go eat, and Shane's just like, "Uh, hello." Would you like? You can tell the story. <laughs> hey, if you like. yeah. So we we did the the uh, event with DJ Win. It went off great. I'm locking up the church, and Shane takes off walking, and I'm just like, Shane, what are you doing? He said, I'm walking home. I was like, why are you walking home? John left me. I said, get in the truck. <laughs> like, I'm so, just going to let you walk home. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting at the Mexican restaurant with, you know, uh, with all of us, about 12 of us eating. Enjoying himself. And, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, Not thinking about that, Shane at all. That Holy Spirit hot. Didn't even know he wasn't at the table. <laughs> <laughs> That's how big DJ Wynn's presence is. You didn't even yeah, know you were dinner. gone, dog. And I'm telling you, Palmer called me. He's like, told me exactly what had happened. And I thought it was this big elaborate hoax, to, you know, just a joke. And I'm like, are you are you being for real? I was like, yeah, dude. I so just I, dropped them off. Under my from my understanding was before we left, and there was so much going on. A you know, we you know, there was so much going on. Um I thought that Shane had uh Jessica's keys and I thought she was going to take it or Shane was going to take somebody uh, to uh pick up DJ win the next morning to take him to the airport. So I thought, yes. so I thought he was going to meet, he was meeting us at the restaurant. So I, but I was, I guess I was a little sadly, sadly mistaken. mistaken. And so my, my apologies. It was hilarious I love from my so point much. of view. Oh, you are forgiven. It was, it not only was it her- hilarious from my point of view, it was also funny because you thought it was a, a, a hoax. Yeah. And it was even funnier that, that Shane, knowing I was still there, thought he was going to walk home. <laughs> Right. Like, didn't even didn't even yeah. say, "Hey, Palmer, can you give me a ride?" Like, I'm like, "What are you yeah. doing?" He's like, "I'm walking home." No, you're not. I'm not walking home. You Everybody crazy? seems so busy. Yeah. So busy. We're never too busy for you. My dog. first question is, didn't I mean, didn't you have Jessica's keys? Though? Um. Well, shout out to Miss Brandy Jones. Yeah. Now, she stepped up to the plate and uh, wanted to take a. Uh, 
DJ Wynn home uh, uh-huh. the next morning, well, to the airport. Right. And uh, so I turned around and I gave uh, Brad the keys back. Oh. And then, you know, <laughs> stepped off into the bathroom for a second, you know. And everybody was Came gone. back out, you know, I was like. It was like, this gone. place is empty. What about me? <laughs> it's just me and Matt hanging about, out. What about Shane? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly what I was like, thinking. Well, brother, I'm so sorry about that. I apologize. And um, which brings me to the topic of the show. And thank you for forgiving me for that. But what is what are we here to talk yeah, about? Yeah, what are we today? talking about today? Oh, we're going to talk about forgiveness. Oh, that was a great yeah. segue. I didn't or even know praying, about you know, uh, praying for for your enemies. Praying for praying for my what? For your enemies. But first, you need to recognize who your enemies are. Um, you know, they're not in this room. No, no, no they could room. be, but they're not. They could be. It's and we it, would talk to them. Exactly, and, yeah. and the crazy thing is, it's usually those that are the closest to you that you you don't really realize you're oh, dude. you have an offense with. Amen yeah. to that, brother. Amen. Uh, one of the things I, I talked about um, on Unashamed the other day was um, the fact that like you can forgive somebody and um still or you can forgive somebody and and not have to talk to them again. Now, yeah, sure. When you when like I have somebody that is hurt me pretty pretty bad and i've forgiven them but when i have to see them i talk to them there's like i have i don't feel anything anymore i forgave you you know what i mean and it's just it's it's so amazing that so many people are like well if you if you forgive them then everything should go back to normal that's not necessarily true it can i mean that those those times do happen where somebody will wrong you and you, you you forgive them and everything it's like okay we're good but I can love you from over here. Yeah, sometimes, you know, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, you know, it's just as simple as knowing good and well the neighbor's dog is going to bite you even though you want to pet him. That doesn't mean you have to reach over the fence to get bit. Amen. But I probably would. I probably. You know, <laughs> Come here, little poochie. <laughs> well, so, okay, well then, um, and, and y'all may have already talked about this, but I, I don't, y'all know how I, I don't do my homework or anything on anything that we're going to do. So I'm just kind of, I like to flow. So how did we get to, that's what this topic is going to be today? John um, reached out to me a couple months ago and uh, we had, we used to ride around together everywhere. We used to do everything um you know, then he got mobile and yeah. slowly started to forget about me. <laughs> and then once he had the car. <laughs> yeah, but no. <laughs> um, but we had talked uh, a lot of times about forgiveness and, um, you know, recognizing who we need to Amen, pray brother. for and forgive and, you know, to find that peace and comfort within ourselves. And um, I guess it just stuck with him, and he's asked me to come on here and, um, yeah, what I—I I mean, what I witnessed, and we—you we, know—we did jail ministry together, and yes. you know, we were—we were in this pod, and um, you know, it was probably about thirty guys in there, and um, I did my little spiel. I don't remember anything I said because of what when Shane took hold of the situation and he started teaching these guys, and and I mean, the Holy Spirit fire came upon him, and he talked about praying for your enemies for a good hour and a half, and I was just awestruck. I was like, that'd be a perfect topic. Amen. For the black sheep recovery, man. So, you know, it's been a couple of months in the making, and um, and I I feel like it's just very important to do this episode so that people know the importance of forget uh, for praying for your enemies and why it's important to pray for your enemies. And with that being said, so since since that night, I started praying for my enemies. Every time I pray, I go into prayer with a thankful heart. And then I asked for forgiveness for my sins and my transgressions and my iniquities. And then I pray for my uh, loved ones. I, then I pray for my enemies. 
And then I get selfish and start praying for the things I want. <laughs> you know, I leave that for last. You know, because yeah, but but uh, it's like all right, I've I've uh, I've, I've all right, God, I prayed for everybody else just in case you got anything left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's my list too. Love right. you, bye. <laughs> Love you. Good night, <laughs> bye. So uh, Shane, if you preach, want, brother Shane, let's let's start it off. With, yeah, t- t- tell us what you told them. Well, we all have our little our little dark sides with inside of ourselves. And a lot of it comes from being offended. And um, what you want to do when you're offended is learn how to forgive. The first thing you got to do is you got to practice at learning how to forgive. And um, one of the strongest things that you have to do is you have to want better for the one that offended you. Mm-hmm. And not just better in the terms of what you would expect from them to better them so that they won't offend other people, but in 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 literal ter- in literal terms of something you would want for your own child right. to grow up and to love people and and to just be a beacon of light, you know, to other people. But you you, I guess what I'm trying to say is what you're what you're going to want for them is love, mm-hmm. straight from your heart. You're going to pray for them like you would your own child if your child was on their deathbed. The way, and that's a good practice to start forgiving is to pray for them. You know, it all starts off the same, God, you know, if you see fit, you know, bless them. You know, let but your will be done. Let your will be I done. I that that's how mine always start. And, God, if it would be your will, burn yeah. it to the ground. Oh, no, don't do it. <laughs> but, you know, just you, you're going to want to talk about them, you know, to God. You know, not in how they offended you. But in how they're doing in life and what their troubles are and what's brought them to this point to where they could offend you. Now, let's just say that they didn't do it on purpose. You still need to be praying for them and you need to learn how to forgive them. Now, praying for people is, to me, the beginning of learning how to forgive. You know, if you talk about someone long enough and often enough, the more you talk about them, the more in depth you're going to get into talking about them, the more you're going to think about what you're saying about them. You're going to start pinpointing every detail of what you have taken in as far as data about that person. Well, it it, it doubles up whenever somebody offends you. Yeah, can I, can I uh, tell you what um, what's happened in my heart ever since I learned that, right? So... <clears throat> I know some of my enemies, right? And I and I and there's some that I don't know, but the ones that uh that I am aware of, it's like when uh since I started praying for them, like like you said, my heart for them has changed, like toward them. Like I was um you know, not not a hateful heart toward them or anything like that, but it's like I didn't have a you know, I didn't have anything for them. Like yeah. uh, it didn't matter to me what did or didn't happen to them. But ever since I started praying for them, I kind of got a little concerned about them. Mm-hmm. And so, like when when I see something good happen for them or anything, I'm, you know, I'm I'm cheerful. I mean, I'm joyful over it. It's like, man, that's great. And that's a blessing. That's awesome. So, and from my perspective and my point of view. That's not an enemy to me. That's a brother, and that's a um, that's a neighbor, and we're called to love our neighbors. That's right. Love ourselves. So um, I didn't have that heart for my enemies before I learned that that night. So I want to thank you for that. You know, I, I truly learned something. I think, I think also that we need to express the fact that this is not something that it starts that way. When you start praying for somebody that has either wronged you or you know doesn't like you, yeah, that's what I mean. It yeah. starts off as. Uh, you're just doing it because you feel like you have to. Mm. It's like, God, bless Shane. Yeah. Give him everything he uh, he he needs. Take care of all of his 
is blah, blah, blah. And after you do it for a while, it becomes like you actually mean it. Yeah, mm-hmm. at exactly. First, at first, exactly. you're just doing it just because you know that's the right thing to do. Right. And then once you continue continuously pray for that person, it becomes like, you know what? I actually do. God, please. I actually do want you to bless them. That's give right. them everything that, that, that you want to give them, you know, mm-hmm. bless them. All right, let so. me give a couple of shout outs real quick. Um, at the beginning of the show, I meant to do this and, uh, and it slipped my mind, but Miss Gwen, I didn't have a picture to post of you up on the green screen. And I wanted to tell you happy birthday as well. You had a birthday last week and we love you. Black sheep loves you to death. Brandon Spain, he's watching and my co-host Stacy, she's in the chat. So love you guys. And uh, keeping thank- your chair warm yeah. there, Stacy, <laughs> keeping your chair warm. So anyway, um, so Shane, um, a scripture that I looked at when I was doing my research, Bomber does not like doing that, but I don't do research. Yeah, he don't do. But um, something that stuck out to I like me to have conversations. was um, was First Peter uh, three nine. Mm-hmm. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't realitate. 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 That's re-alitate. the name of my next album. <laughs> don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. So that goes right along with praying for your enemies, I believe. Don't you think? Yes. Most definitely it does. You know, one of the things about recognizing who your enemies are and who you need to be praying for is there's going to be, and this is just my opinion, is there's two types. There's close up and there's distance. Mm-hmm. All right. The distant ones would be the ones that you just met in passing that did something to offend you, whether it was bumping you, cut you off in traffic, you know, God forbid, throw the bird at you, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you did. Okay. To me, those are distant ones, but those Number are going to be the ones that, those, that's just surface level. You know, those are the ones that, you know, you're just, you know, you might go home and vent about it, but you're really not going to think about that. Right. You know what I mean? Unless it just really traumatized you, you're not going to recognize them in traffic the next day. You know what right. I'm saying? But You son of a gun. That was you, wasn't it? <laughs> but the ones that you will think on and that will stick to you and deep within you, whether it be a periodic time, periodically you think about it, or it could be every day, is um, normally it's those that are the closest to you that you don't recognize the offense you've taken when they've offended you. You just look at it like, oh, they just annoyed you. But on the inside, you know, when you get upset or you get around them and they kind of do something similar to that same offense, it brings it right back into memory. And when they're that close to you, it kind of touches you. It agitates you. It aggravates you. You kind of, those, that's, that's, those are the ones that you're really going to have to pray for and start immediately when you think about them because those are the ones that you're going to end up dwelling on later on right so this goes along with another scripture is pray- if you don't dwell on it i mean it's gonna it's still gonna like it's gonna fester oh yeah well before i was so rudely sorry. interrupted sorry sir i'm just kidding <laughs> um so john you got if, something you if say? you're wondering <laughs> how i got fired the first time Um, so this goes along with another scripture that uh that you know we've been taught is pray without ceasing Mm -hmm. so this goes along with that so like even in your moments of road rage those are you know that that's when when you get into praying without ceasing it's like uh you know when you notice things like that like somebody cutting you off or you cutting somebody off or whatever it's, it's it's automatic going to prayer is that what we're learning here yeah that would be a that would would be be something really good you know know, to take from this um 
you know, it's all about learning how to pray and, and who to and, and who you're praying for. What about when somebody interrupts you? You know, do, <laughs> you should definitely pray for those guys. Okay, so those guys are annoying. All right, so well, you know, bow Jesus, your heads. Well, you know, Jesus did tell his disciples. I mean, he pretty much, you know, just he pretty much just told them, just as sure as you live and breathe, you will have the privilege to be offended. That's okay, right. but it's so, what you do with that offense that's going right. to determine the outcome of you and your walk with Christ. I will say that's a, uh, talking about being cut off. That's a great idea, though. Uh, I'm talking about in traffic. Not, <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea to like. Actually, when somebody cuts you off, you should probably pray for them that they don't hurt anybody. Yeah, you know, hey. that's, and that's usually what I try to do. It's like if I get, you can ask my wife. I got some road rage, so do um, I'm guilty. Of it. So, I'm getting better about it though. I'm trying. Like it's like I don't cuss anymore when it happens to me. Right. So like, I go into mm, prayer. I go into I, you prayer. know what? I am such a smart aleck though, because like if I if somebody honks at me, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like. I want them to think that I'm absolutely uh, mental. You yeah, know? it's like he's got something wrong with him. <laughs> he doesn't know any better. Well, you are a little bit. Mental. I will say though, um, the worst the worst thing is when you get cut off or you cut somebody off or or you get cut off and you um, accidentally quote unquote accidentally give them the bird and then they turn into the church with you. Oh, oh. <laughs> Pastor, I didn't know that was you. <laughs> and you're the hey, one. Hey, Jim, how's it going? And you're the one leading worship. Mm. Hey, Aubrey. Hey, good morning. Hey, how are you? So this, this, I'm not saying that's happened to me, but I'm not saying it hadn't. Well, this is going to lead me to my next question. All right. So, how many times am I supposed to forgive my brother? Seven. Until you run out of breath. But that's not what it says in scripture. What does it say in scripture? Seventy-seven times seven. Okay, I did some math. No, I think it says seventy times seven well i did some math and 77 times 70 is 539 so does that mean at 540 i can come out with these hands well if you're already premeditating unforgiveness then uh, <laughs> you might as well swing on the first but yeah probably not just remember <laughs> you, you got to get that log out of your eye before you start picking at the the, mm, the, the little speck in mind come on now Mm. Man, I love you guys. This is good, good, episode, but, good stuff. Uh, it, for real, like, okay, where is that at? Is it 77? I thought it was 70 times 7. It Either doesn't way. matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, <clears> Jesus <throat> was saying. He was saying infinite. infinite but, yeah. you know, back in their day, you know, yeah. they didn't yeah. have a calculator. So I'm sure right. they're like 70 times. What? I, yeah, back in their day. Plus, plus 7 is the number of perfection and 77 times 7. Right. And, you know, I mean, infinite. Yeah, perfection. and that's infinite. It's, it's infinite. Yeah, and that's every day. And, you know, that was not. It's not like I. you can. Uh, forgive 70 times 7 one day and then be like, okay, I don't have to forgive you anymore. No, he's saying every day it's infinite. All right, so don't come out swinging 540, the 540th time. No, right. do okay. not right, unless you do swing it. hard, dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but if you do, we will forgive you for it. <laughs> Turn the other cheek. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Anyway. That's awesome. I mean, this is not, not only is this a great message for, um, which I think it's awesome that this is what y'all did at the, the prison because I yes. mean, a lot of people that are in prison, you know, probably got there because of, Unfor you know, yeah. yeah, unforgiveness and offenses. And honestly, I mean, nowadays everybody's offended at something. Yes. You know, and it's like, you can't throw a stick down the street without getting offended. We live in the days of offense now. You know, I mean, look, if you don't, it's. I posted a joke the other day. I guess it wasn't wasn't all that funny, but um, you know, AT and T went down, and the day before, the the liberals had been trying to bankrupt Donald Trump, and I was like, "Well, see, this is what happens when you try to uh, bankrupt Donald Trump. He turns the the phone service off." Yeah, 
He's got, he's got the funds to <laughs> do like, it. Just yep. jokes, people. Just jokes. Right. But, I mean, everybody, people getting offended because the, the phones don't work. It's like, right. I mean, you think oh, some big somebody probably did it on purpose. And but it was a, you know, a, an attack, a cyber attack from Russia or China or it may, something. It maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Knows. But, like, look. Or it might have been a disgruntled uh, employee, <laughs> employee that just threw this, got mad at, you know, and threw the switch. So, you, know? you know that button that says don't touch? Yeah. He touched it. He touched it. Beep. So, <clears throat> so well, Shane, Shane, Rogers. Oh, it's good to have you, and uh, thanks for coming. Well, this ain't over yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This ain't over. <laughs> this ain't over. <laughs> Shane, um, man, what? Can we talk about personal stuff? I think we should, because yeah. like I would, um, I'd kind of like I know you went through some some stuff. Yeah, how old were you when you were born? How John, old? that's when my trauma started. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I was born at a young age. It took me a second and, uh, to catch that. Were you? Young I, age? I was born at a young age. How young, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I know I was pretty young. Pretty young. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, but no, uh, man, I... You've had some some life, life-changing life situations here lately, huh? I have. I have. Uh, praise be to God. Yeah? Um, you want to talk about any of that? Well, let's let's go back a little bit further than just recently. Let's let's talk about let's get into some of your testimony if you would like to. Would you like to share? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> no, he's like no. Nah, just right. ask me what you want to know. Well, I, where I were mean, you I, on November fifth of nineteen ninety seven? Was that a weekday? <laughs> it was a Tuesday, and it was school. Had to have been at school. For it, the record, I and was it was dark and cloudy, and I think it was going to rain that day. Mm. Had to have been at school. Had to have been at school. No, uh, I, I well, just, let's, let's, uh, if, if you'd like to share, I'd like to hear some of your testimony, if you want to share. Well, he's he's saying, so ask some questions. I, I just kind of want to know, because I don't, I don't know. Tell me about, I got, okay, um, tell me about um, your childhood. Uh, it's like, you, you, I know it. I mean, you've told me, but uh, what did you, tell the viewers uh, what you went through as a child in your upbringing. Well, my memories start really early in life. Um I was born in Dallas, which I really don't remember the birth, but um, I went through some very traumatic stuff uh, around the age of before I was one, and that's where my memories start. Uh, but I'll jump into what got me here to Mississippi. I was um, I was uh, one of three siblings. My uh, my mother had done had a um, you you have a limited number of abortions you can have in the state of Texas, and she had done. She had one more she could do, but when she found out I was a boy, she decided to keep me. Um, and then, of course, Thanks, mom, you know, wasn't too bad. Yeah, she was all right. Appreciate that, mom. Um, no, thank you, God. Uh, yeah. Being realistic, real. um, but um, so my little sister, when she was born, we're a year and thirteen months apart. Uh, when she was born, she was adopted uh, almost immediately. Well, that she was adopted by a half uncle. Uh, of ours uh, back in Mississippi. And um, about a year after she was adopted, well, maybe less than a year after she was adopted, uh, a lot of things happened. And um, I just remember it was right before my third, it was, a, it was a few months before my third birthday. I remember climbing out of the bathtub and uh, going into the living room, trying to find where my, you know, where my uncle was, the man that was trying to raise me. And um, I walked into uh, his bedroom and uh, he was sitting on the edge of the bed rocking, and he had a um, he had a revolver in his mouth, and he was just he had the gun in his mouth, and I could hear him mumbling, "God, please help me, and please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me." 
And um, at the time, I just kind of like, I felt like I had done something wrong. I wasn't sure. I was young. Um, but um, the next the next thing I knew that was happening, I was sitting by the front door, and the door just completely splintered off of the hinges. And I remember seeing the SWAT team come in, shields and helmets. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm in the back seat of a car. And I'm standing up in the back seat looking out the back window, looking at the house. And I just remember having this feeling. And I was just a child. I wasn't three years old quite yet, just a few weeks or a month or so from it. And I just remember having this feeling and thinking that things aren't going to be the same. And I didn't know what that meant. I was just a kid. And, uh, well, uh, these really kind people, a pastor and his wife, um, Webby Miller and Dwayne Miller had uh, come up to Texas to pick me and my oldest sister up, and they brought us to Mississippi. And, um, well, they they did the best they could uh, to raise us. I was I was unruly. I mean, there was something wrong with me. Very I, rebellious. Very much so. I was really hard to deal with. Um, and, you know, they did everything they could, but, you know, eventually they had to seek help elsewhere. Um, so I ended up in the foster care system. I went from institution to institution, from facility to facility, um, a lot of mental health facilities. I ended up in a lot of group homes. Did they try to keep you and your sister together? Um, well, that's the point of them actually coming to get me and my older sister. See, they had adopted my little sister and, uh, they were trying to keep us together. But like I said, I was really unruly. I was, um, there was something going on with me. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I didn't, I'm sure it had a lot to do with that trauma point in your life, it, what you witnessed. It may have. I don't want to condone anything I did, yeah. you know, even though I was a child. But, you know, because I, I understand how hard I was, you know, for anyone. Um, but um, God guided me through it. I, um, I ended up in the foster care system for quite some time. And this is where I learned about offense and forgiveness and praying for your enemies uh, this was my first experience with it I um you know I, I blame my mom all the time uh for giving you know giving us up I um I kind of went through uh my parents files in their in their office and I found um I found the uh the court papers where she had handwritten her giving us up yeah and uh, it hurt me it um you went through your foster parents uh, your, uh, yeah, well, the, yeah, Webby and Dwayne. Who, who you call your parents. Yeah, who okay. I call my mom and dad. They, Just, um, I was trying to make sure I, I understand. Yeah, so um, I went through there, and I saw those letters. You know, for I saw the one for me, and I saw the one for my older sister. I didn't see one for my little sister. But, I mean, just reading through them, and it, it, you know, it hurt. And, uh, you know, I just, I didn't, I never told anybody. And, um, well, I, <clears throat> as I'm in this foster care system, I'm in an institution called CARES, Um care center it's a mental health rehabilitation center um, it ranges from you know six months plus um, at the minimum you'll be there six months um, if you need long-term treatment they'll send you somewhere else but anyways I was um, I was in my room one night and all I could think about was how you know I'm behind these locked doors you know I, I, I have no privileges you know I'm you know I feel like I'm not loved by anybody and I just remember just sitting there started I started dwelling on everyone Everyone that I had met in my family before foster care, I'm just sitting there thinking about them. I'm getting mad. I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, oh, you know, they're out and about. You know, they're they're getting bedtime stories. They're, you know, this, that, and the third. What a kid would think, you know, right. when offended. And um, something came over me immediately in my heart. And I'm not going to say I heard it in my head because I didn't. I felt it and heard it at the same time. And it says, stop 
thinking about this and uh, I was thinking about what if my real mom knew what was going on what if she came down here and then that's when the thought is something just came over and said stop thinking like that you're going to hurt yourself what you need to do is you need to start praying for everybody you're thinking about right now and at the age of uh, 12 that's that's what I did I immediately started praying for everyone uh, from the people that adopt uh, that you know got custody of me uh, Webby and Dwayne um my siblings, even the siblings that uh, I called my brother and sister that they had had, you know, that were grown with their own kids at this point. Um, you know, all of their children, my nieces, my nephews, everybody, even my mom, I just started. And every night I would do that. And um, I want to say after about a month, uh, I stopped staying up all night thinking about these things. I stopped worrying about it throughout the day. My um, I was in trouble a lot in these places. You know, I, I was... The potter was working on the clay. Man, dude, and I was awful. I was a handful. I threw chairs. I busted windows. So you were, I mean, you were pretty much, um, you were exposed to Jesus at a young age then. Like, That's what um, I was about to say. Like, yeah. So, how, so how did, you knew, I mean, you were introduced to, to Jesus at a young age, it sounds like. Yeah, and at that, uh, I remember my first argument with God. And it wasn't much of an argument. It was, um, I was offended. Um, of where I was at, I, I had, a, I had, I don't know if it was the trauma or what, but at a young age, I had an understanding for I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Right. I've been abandoned by my mother, um, you know, I, and I, I held offense. So, um, I, I that my first, my first memory of actually talking to God was me arguing with Him about where I'm at, why I'm here, and why He did this to me. And in the midst of me getting really angry. Like I said, something something came over me, and I just felt this overwhelming love, and I and I just immediately Holy Spirit, and I just immediately turned my frustration from God, and I just started yelling at the devil. Amen. And just, I mean, I didn't know exactly what to say, you know, to him. I just knew that I'd started directing my anger towards him and my frustrations towards him. I love that. Um, and I was, I want to say, I was about five years old just looking back because we hadn't quite moved to brandon we still lived in white oak in a parsonage and we moved to brandon right before i turned six so yeah this would have been around about the age of five yeah, so you were exposed to spiritual things at a very young age i mean you had literally had the holy spirit speaking to you at about five or six years old and you knew that like you knew that that was yeah know. but i didn't i would listen uh as in, I, my immediate reaction would be to go with what I just felt inside of me. Mm-hmm. Thus, I turned my aggression from God to the devil. Um, as a kid, that made sense to me immediately. Uh, thus, uh, the part where that, that feeling came over me, I said, you need to pray for them. Yeah. Stop dwelling on these things. You're going to hurt yourself. I immediately went into a prayer, and I memorized that prayer from the first time I said it. I said that exact same prayer every night. Um. Which but as I got older... Can you still recite it? Yeah. Let's hear it. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you please be with uh, Mom, Dad, Megan, Cody, Chance, Noel, Hope, Heather, Scotty, Melissa, Victor, Angie, and uh, my real mom, Debbie, and uh, the man who is my, my real father. That's beautiful, man. And uh, I was just, you know, as a kid, that was that was my prayer. That was yeah. every For night. I'm glad you asked him to do it because I think people that are listening to this or watching this would want to be like, okay... Y'all are sitting here saying, pray for your enemies. Like, how, how do I do that? Well, and I think can, it's that simple. Yeah. Well, it is just that simple. Be with or bless 
blah, 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 blah. You know, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be some long, yeah. extraordinary prayer about, you know, could you give them, give them a new car, give mm-hmm. them a new, no, it's just God bless, bless Shane, bless John, bless Palmer, bless Stacy, bless Danny, bless, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of them. Uh, one of the, um, and you know, it, it hits so close to home. I, I'll get into that in a minute of where I, I realized what my act, who my actual enemy was. I'll get into that in just a second. But, um, you know, I, I got into a lot of trouble, but uh, that was one of the things that, that, that really helped me a lot was the Holy Spirit talking to me yeah. mm-hmm. and, and, and speaking with me and touching me. Um, he was actually training me up for whenever I got older. Yeah. Uh, at first, I didn't recognize it was him. I just went with just that. I mean, there was just an assurity. There was an assurance in, in what I was being told to do. And I went with that. Um, and it helped me as I got older to pray for other people. Um, I actually was at um, the Appalachian Adult Teen Challenge in West Virginia. Say um, that three times fast. Before, yeah. before you jump off into that, you also had kind of a stigmatism that you had to deal with also. Oh, you uh yeah. speaking of yeah, I had a few things. See, I was um I was born with fetal alcohol syndrome. Uh, whenever I was born, it was I wasn't supposed to live. Um, you know, I, I was I'm not supposed to be here, but uh God sees it fit for me to be here. And um he has mm-hmm. saved my life mentally, physically, and emotionally. One of the other things was um I had Tourette syndrome. Um I had a lot of bad motor tics. Uh, I was actually I had some vocalized um outburst if you will um and they these went on uh from childhood all the way up until i was an adult and i also had trichotillomania and i speak in a past tense of had and not have right because god is god has definitely healed me of all of these things and all that comes into uh it all happened at the same time um but i also had trichotillomania which is a severe that put that on a t-shirt no thanks it's a severe hair pulling disorder oh um, I, by, it started in second grade and then by the time I was in, by the time I was in fourth grade, I had no eyebrows and no eyelashes and I was working on other parts of my body of pulling hair and uh, I never understood why. And, you know, it scared me, you know, I, I used to sit there and think like when I, when, when I get older, is this going to stop? And I had, it, it gave me such anxiety. Uh, you know, I worried about how I looked. I was, I, I developed, a uh, I was very self-conscious to be around people. So I used humor as a means to kind of cope. Sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. with other people. Because, you know, of course, you know, when you're kids, kids are, kids are cruel. Uh, you, you're going to get picked on when you're around other kids. And when you know you have things going on with you that are make fun of worthy, so to speak, right. you know you're going to get it. So I just kind of like, I developed this tough skin, you know. I got called all kind of stuff, you know, from bald-eyed freak to. You got bullied. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they they. For a time, yeah, um, you know, I, I was I was very physically aggressive. You know, you I could deal with the jokes and stuff for a point in time, and then of course I would. He I, forgive you seven times, but on the eighth time, you mm. you catching yeah. the pants. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so you know, that's how I was. I mean, when I got, I was, I was a fat kid, always have been, and so when yeah, I, I got, so when I got bullied, it's like I forgive you for a while. For a while. And then you go catch me on the wrong day, and I was I was uh, uh I was I, I wasn't really picked on that much. I was the guy that took care of the one that did the picking on other people. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I don't look like much now, which, you know, but uh, I couldn't stand it. I could not stand for somebody to get bullied. And it didn't matter to me. It didn't, yeah, it didn't matter to me how, how big the person was. If, if I saw somebody getting picked on, I got involved. Amen. And sometimes it got my butt kicked and yeah. most time it didn't. And that's okay. Yeah. But, um, getting back to the Shane, um, so, <clears throat> you want to tell how you how through the Holy Spirit you were over um, all that you um, you overcame all of that. Uh yeah yeah I'll um all right so so I've I was already born and grew up with all these traumas and anxiety you know these these things that are wrong with me um and uh, but eventually I kind of got into um, I got into stealing from stores. And then, of course, uh, that turned into um, I started buying drugs, selling drugs. Um, and then uh, I'll make this kind of short. Uh, I don't want to give Satan any type of glory. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I ended up trying a whole bunch of different types of drugs, selling drugs, uh, trafficking. And um, then eventually I, I found myself uh, trying crystal meth. And uh, I absolutely hated hated it, so I, I kept doing it for about five more years. Did that? In, did that? In, yeah, you, it sure sounds like you hated it. No, yeah. I'm but did that intensify the ticks? Uh, it did actually, but only when I was left alone. Mm. If I was left alone, if I was left alone to uh, to my own thoughts, uh, I remember one night that I have a beard. Um, I remember, no. Yeah, crazy, right? You I'm, have a beautiful beard, by the way. That thing Dude, is... I'm surprised because... That beard be bearding. Yeah. I'm surprised because, you know, when I would be by myself on some nights with nobody else around, because when other people were around, I could control it. I had a reason to. I didn't want anybody to think I was crazy, you know, sitting there picking at myself. and right. um, But left alone, I could pull this whole thing out in one night. Yeah. I've done it. Math is like that. You know, I had some strange things that I did... You know, when I was He's geeked out, not just meth. I'm talking about all kinds of, I mean, <clears throat> you, I mean, some people take apart lighters for no reason and try to put them back together. I mean, you know, <laughs> flashlights, I've yeah, heard about flashlights. flashlights. I mean, all it's all, heard about and some people, some people pick at their skin and that's pick, awful. I've seen it. It's and, terrible. Yeah, it's, I never had a bump. Yeah. I, I strictly Dude, went for the hair. I guess I have like a little tick then. Cause like, you can't see it on camera, but like I, I pick at the skin always right here. Well, uh, you know, I just know that, uh, you know, methamphetamine, especially methamphetamine, that it intensifies little little uh, flaws that we have like that, that, you know, that we're self-conscious about, I guess. And uh, and, it, and it takes it and magnifies it times a thousand. It does. Yeah. Especially when you get in your own head. Yeah, for Did sure. Did you still have Tourette's when you were, when you were on meth? Um, yeah. Like. Uh, what he was saying was he could control it, though. Like, he wouldn't do it around people. Well, that uh, I, as long as there was people around, I had a. Um, it was easier for me to kind of find something else to do to where those motor ticks and things like that didn't happen. But but it still did. I mean, yeah, me, you, you wasn't occupying could, your mind at the time. Your mind was busy doing something else. Yeah, the only thing I could do was I could I could kind of control it, but you know that's just me not letting it just take over. Sure, you know because I mean I would I would have fits to where I would sit there and I would shake my head bite my lips and just yeah. just start popping like my jaw real hard and stretching my whole body at one time and it would just go on for uh, however Hours, long it, days. Yeah, well it would go on for however long it was going to go on yeah. but um of course you know I shook my head a lot you know mm-hmm. you know back in the day when everybody had bangs they throw their hair over well that was nice that. that was a constant for me before I ever let my hair even grow that was um but um one day I was um glory to god I was just, I was fed up with everything. The man uh, that had, uh, my half-uncle that had come up to Texas to pick me and my other sister up, um, 
he eventually beautiful he eventually passed away and when he did i felt like i lost everything uh and um i left the hospital that night and um he was in icu but i knew he was fixing to go and i just left walking and i walked around for days on end just debating life not wanting to be here anymore you know the only blood relative that i felt i really truly had that actually cared you know he was gone in my eyes Mm -hmm. you know he was gone. Mm-hmm. You know, what other reason do I have to be here? You know, I, you know, I felt, you know, abandoned at, you know, for the majority of my life. But, you know, in actuality, I wasn't. But I had taken offense right. to the people closest to me, my own family. Those were my enemies. Those were the ones God was preparing me to pray for. Yes. But, um, so I, I'm walking around and, um, I had I had so far given up on life. I mean, I had a um, I had a staff I had staff infection in my throat, and it was uh, about the size of a fist protruding out of my throat. I had one the same size on my temple, and I had another one same size on my main uh, artery on my leg, and then I had six of them under one of my arms, and I just didn't I didn't care to live, so I never went and had them treated. I just was walking around like God, you know, maybe this is how you'll take me. Maybe this is how I can die. I don't. I don't care. Like I'm done. I don't want to be here no more. I've, you know, I had never. I felt like I'd never known what love was. You know, I, I just felt abandoned. I just felt more than alone. Um, but as I was walking uh, and saying these things in my heart and in my head and becoming frustrated, I felt something come over me, and I just in my heart. I cried out, not my mouth. I just remember saying, God, I don't need man, and I don't need rehab. I need you. If you can just take me somewhere, I can focus on you. I know you will rid me of all of these things that ailed me. And um, and about two weeks later, um, well, about a week later, I decided, you know what? Let me go get the staph infection treated. So I went and had the staph infection treated. I got hospitalized for about four days. Um and ended up, uh, I started going to my older sister's house, um, you know, during the during the afternoon hours. And uh, I went over there about two days in a row. And on the third day I went over there, she was like, hey, um, you know, do you ever thought about rehab? First thing I say is, I don't need rehab. I don't need rehab. I don't need rehab. I need support. You need rehab. I need a phone. I need a truck. I need an apartment. I need a bank account with some money. And then I'll take it off from there. I can handle it. I can handle life from there. Just, just make, just you tell, just tell whoever it matters to get me that stuff, and yeah. you know I'll be good to go. I don't need a rehab. I still need all that. Yeah, yeah, I still <laughs> kind of still need it. But uh, my sister said, "Well, look, uh, Mama is wanting to help get you into rehab," and I said, "Well, I don't need rehab." And then um, she says, uh, "She says, well, well, Scotty says he'll help you too." Now, Scotty is my older brother. He is uh, my brother. He's, he's twice my age. And so uh, the people that came and got us from Texas, that was their uh, their le- legitimate son. And he's one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. He is a man to, to be looked up to. Um, he is he, he's very straightforward. He's, he's honest. And he just lives a very, very good life. Um, and he believes in God. Thank God. But um, so I, I had a really good role model growing up, but I just never paid any attention to him. But when, when my sister looked at me and said that Scotty said he's willing to help, he wants to help you, that struck something inside of me. That was that was what I needed to hear, I guess, because it worked. I said, well, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go right now. I, I, as long as it's faith-based, 
and it's not around here. I'm ready to go. My sister said, well, it's in West Virginia, <laughs> and it is faith-based. She said, we, we tried to get you into Teen Challenge here, but they don't have any beds open. I was like, well. So that's what it was. it was. It was Teen Challenge over in West Virginia? Uh-uh. No, no, it was okay. True Hope Ministries. Oh, okay. uh, shout out to True Hope Ministries. They were um, they did everything they could for me. Thank God. <laughs> God really used them. He really did. Um, so, uh, and my, you know, I ended up meeting with my brother and my mom at uh, Ruby Tuesdays for lunch the next day to talk about this. And that was, I think, that was Friday. Oh, to go, you know, to talk or might have been Thursday or Friday. I can't really remember all too well. But uh, we talked about this, and my brother said, "Look, Shane, if you need to take some time to figure this out." do that don't just make a split second decision and then regret it you know you we're still gonna help you but if you need time come i said no i do not need time i've been praying for this right. time i told god if he could take me somewhere to focus <clears throat> on him i knew he'd heal me well this is it i mean it, yeah. it's this way virginia thing this didn't pop up out of nowhere You're right you know this is god's divine intervention it has right. to be so i believe that immediately because yeah, god be doing stuff that's what he does he does amen all the time so i i ended up uh my brother monday morning Drove me out to Meridian to the airport, um, and I got on a plane, and I got to West Virginia, and these these really kind people met me at the airport, and drove me over into Hurricane, West Virginia, where they were um, where they had the True Hope Ministries. Well, I was there about two weeks, and uh, they kept talking about uh, they're trying to get this contract with Walmart so they could fundraise at this certain Walmart in Princeton, West Virginia. They said it's a really good spot, uh, a lot of Christians there. You know, we could get a lot of support and a lot of help for other people if we could just go there. So they talked about this for about a week, my first week there. Well, the next week we got the con- they got the contract. So they're like, "Hey, we're going to go fundraising." And I was like, "Oh, that's, that's great." So I'm out there, I'm having a Sorry, good old man. time. You know, I'm out there singing praise and worship music outside the Walmart doors. I got people walking by, smiling. I got people walking by looking like, "Please shut up." You know, but I kept my spirits up and kept singing and, you know, talking to people like God and uh, this man walks by me and um he says, "Y'all with Teen Challenge?" I said, well, no, sir, but our, our book say Teen Challenge. He goes, okay, I'm just making sure. And he goes inside. He had this real serious look to him, and, uh, and he brushes me off. He walks on inside, and uh, about 30 minutes later, he comes out, and he walks up to me, big old man, too. He walks up to me, and he goes, I want to give you my card, but I don't want you to get in trouble. And I was like, you know, at this point, everything that happens, I feel like it's God. Sure. You know, coming and, and, and putting people in front of me. Yes. Like he's, so I immediately, I said, I said, it's God. I, I, told, I, said, I, said, I said, it's got to be God. Give it to me. He was like, I don't want you to get in trouble. I said, just give it to me. Well, he hands it to me and he tells me, he says, I'm the assistant director of the Teen Challenge here in Princeton, West Virginia. And um, he says, I want you to give me a call Monday or Tuesday. He said, God has put you on my heart, you know. And um, I said, okay. And I thought about it. I put the card in my pocket. And then the guy that was out there with us, he walked up to me. He said, well, what just happened? I said, he gave me his card, told me to call him. I didn't want to lie to him. Right. And um, he just kind of kind of frowned his face a little bit and went on back about his business. And I kept fun, you know, I kept out there talking to people. Well, that same guy, he pulls, he pulls back up to where I'm at in his car, and he drops his window. And this is the man that gave me the card. And he says, this is what your dad wants. You know, mind you, my dad had just died. Yeah, I was ready to get up, give up on life, and you know, I'm almost getting emotional right now. But that that did it for me. I said, um, "He doesn't know who my dad is. Right? He's got no clue who my dad is." So I said, "All right, God, I'm gonna pray with you about this, and I need you to help me to make a decision." Um, about an hour goes by after he left, and a, 
another man pulls up in a white truck. And I just remember looking out at the parking lot and watching that truck drive through the parking lot and then park. And this Walmart was packed. I mean, it, it, it was worse than Walmart uh, in <laughs> Pearl on, on Saturday afternoon with the biggest clearance sale that's ever happened. You know, it's, this Walmart was packed. Well, some reason I watched this white F-150 pull into the parking lot and park. Right there in the very front parking spot. Like, it's just that somebody backed out as he was pulling in, and he whipped right in. I was like, that's awesome. And this man walks right up to me, and he says, a man came out here from Teen Challenge and talked to you, didn't he? I said, yes, sir. He said, I knew you were the one. He said, he didn't tell me what you looked like. He said, that's my assistant director. I am the director of Teen Challenge. And he says, there is something about you. And we feel like God is wanting us to invite you over to Teen Challenge. And, um... He said, what did he tell you? I said, he told me to give him a call Monday or Tuesday. He said, you do that. I said, well, back home, they said there weren't any beds. He said, I'm the director. He said, I'll open up as many beds as I want to. Yeah. He said, you have a bed there. I said, he said, just give us a call. I said, yes, sir. Man, God be doing stuff. Don't he, though? And so um, I get in the van with these guys at the end of the night, and they're like, Shane, look, you know, the enemy's going to try to do this, and he's going to try to do that. And they were giving me the best advice they knew to give me. Right. And I appreciated that. And one of the and the, the student that was going to graduate in the next month, uh, he'd been there the longest. He'd been there for about 15 months, and um, uh, 13 months. And he said, um, it was just me and him alone. And he said, Shane, I've been waiting to talk to you. He said, what, what you got going on right now? He says, the only thing that you can do is pray to God about it. Tell him to put it on your heart on what you need to do. He said, don't just jump up and make no decision because it looks good. Right. He said, but you don't. You don't know what you're supposed to do, so you find out, and you're going to do it by praying. I took his advice. And so that weekend, that's all I prayed about. I said, God, if I'm supposed to leave, weigh it on my heart. Make it heavy. Make it so heavy that I'll only know what I'm supposed to do by making the right choice and you lightening this load. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. Monday morning came, and I woke up miserable. Miserable. I mean, I, I, I felt horrible. And I was like, well, God, I was like, let me find out if if God's actually talking to me right now. I told the people, I said, I need to make a phone call. They said, you're not calling anyone. I said, then what are my options? They said, you can either uh, finish this program or you can pack your stuff and get to going. I said, well, I need to pack my stuff. When I said that, the load got halfway lifted. It was halfway lifted off of me, off of my heart. And I was like, okay, I must be making the right decision. Well, they dropped me off at Walmart about a mile and a half down the road. And the place, and we're in Hurricane, West Virginia. You can look it up. Princeton is four, four and a half hours out. I've only been there one time, and I slept there and back, you know. So I have no clue. I just know that it was the opposite direction of the Walmart by the interstate. So they dropped me off at the Walmart, and I got this big rolling bag, and I got my Bible. I walked over to the KFC and used their phone real quick and called the number on the card. I remember saying, uh, uh, Mr. Brad, I'm Shane. Shane Rogers, you met me outside of Walmart, told me to give you a call. Well, he said, they Who? wouldn't let me call. His name was Brad Rose. He said, I said, man, they, they wouldn't let me call. So uh, we're just going to walk by faith, man. They dropped me off at Walmart over here in Hurricane, and I'm just I'm just going to walk y'all's way. I left him a voicemail. He didn't pick up. And um, I said, well, here's the walking by faith, man. God bless. I hung up the phone. I got to walking. And I wasn't walking. Now, mind you, I have no more weight on me. I'm walking. I'm skipping. I'm singing. I'm shouting. And I'm saying the Lord's Prayer over and over. As soon as my feet hit the interstate, the, the on-ramp to get on the interstate, I started reciting the Lord's Prayer. That's all I would say is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And just kept saying it over and over and over for about 15 minutes. And I'm walking with my Bible and my bag. Man, his 18-wheeler comes to a slide and stop in front of me. And um, it takes me, I mean, it took him a minute to stop, so I had to. You know, I had to walk another 
about a sixteenth of a mile to get back up and get up there to him. And uh, he dropped his passenger window, and I looked up, and he said, "Where, where are you going?" I said, "Um, uh, I, I handed him the card." I was I'm sorry. Getting. Hold on. What? Okay. <laughs> what? Um. What do you call? Uh, uh, were you trying to impersonate there? Nationality? Wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going off of his accent. I just okay, remember. accent. That's what I was yeah. looking for. What accent were, were you? Was that? I, I'm finna get to it. Okay. okay All right. Okay. So, um, he says, "Shh, let me tell the story." Uh, so uh, he um. He says, where are you going? I said, well, um, here. And I hand him the card. It's got the address on it. I don't, you know, I didn't know that place was called Princeton. You know, I did that they'd mention it, but I didn't think nothing of it. I mean, I'm two weeks. I've only been there two weeks, so I'm only two weeks off, you know, off of drugs. So my mind's still trying to yeah. recuperate things. So I uh, hand it to him, and he types it into his GPS, and he leans up and looks me up and down. He says, you're going to walk all the way there? I say, yes, sir. I feel like God's taking me there. He said, get in. I get in. And um, he sits there and he asks me a bunch of questions, who I am, where I'm from, where I'm coming from, why did I leave, what's going on. And um, after about, you know, just a, about maybe 10 minutes of me and him just talking, uh, he, he grabs his headset and he says, I'll call you back, honey. I love you. And he takes it off. That's my wife. She's crazy. She's crazy. She thinks everybody's going to kill some kill me if I take them somewhere. And uh, and he's, anyways, he inter- introduced himself as uh, Ahmed. Oh. A devout Muslim. Okay. Um, won't God do it? Won't God do so it? So that was, that was the third thing that told me I'm going to the right direction. Because God <laughs> will use your enemies <laughs> going to, to help them. you. And he will use yeah. you to help your enemies. Right. Yeah. Thus, bless those who curse you. Yeah. Right. All right. So, I mean, we're given direction for a reason. So, I'm like, all right, this man drives me four hours outside of his route. Now, this is an 18-wheeler driver now, y'all. Yeah, right. Yeah, they, the they have ded- yeah, they got they got dedicated times. Yeah. He drove me four hours outside of his route and dropped me off the front doors of, of a Christian ministry called a Appalachian Adult Teen Challenge Training Center. Wow, man. A devout Muslim. Won't God do it. From pa- yeah, from 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 Pakistan. And um so I get there and the folks are waiting for me at the end of the driveway. The people I had called, they were waiting for me. And <laughs> they got the voicemail. Yeah, they got the voicemail. They were like, oh, my gosh. We're so uh, happy to yeah. see you. So, um, so You I, made it. Yeah. So I get there, and I'm the happiest I've ever been. I feel like I'm right where God needs me. I feel like I'm in place. I feel uh, it was great. Um, I was there, and here's the, I was there for uh, a little over four months. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I, feel like I, I, I feel like I'm where I need to be. I'm yeah. making plans to do, try to do an internship, you know, when I graduate. You well, know, this I'm, is what you prayed for. Yeah, this is what I prayed you know. for. I wanted. I feel, you know, when I'm down and upset, my brother, you know, these guys are my brothers. They're checking on me. They're making sure I'm okay. They want to know if I need prayer. They want to know if there's anything I need to talk about. They, they, they're there for me. If I'm sad, they want to they lift me up, yeah. you know. And I, I'm just having a, a the best time of my life. I feel like. I'm accepted. I'm 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 loved. I feel like I fit in, you know. And um and then one day, uh well throughout my time there, you know, I'm praying for. Let me get back to the story. So I, I while I'm there, the first thing I pick up on is pray for your enemies. Mm-hmm. So I'm praying for all the people that you know uh, that I got into fights with, people I argued with, people that we stole stuff from each other back when we were younger. People like sure. I'm, I'm praying for everybody. I'm praying for people that that said things that, that, that hurt my feelings, you know, and you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, and I could feel the healing. Like I, every day I felt better and better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Every day I was less offended by anything anybody did, you know, cause there's, there's, we all have our pet peeves, 
and things that you know we nitpick with others, whether we like to admit it or not. And but those things slowly started to subside as well. And then, um, and then I got to thinking about my little sister, my best friend, um, you know, my first best friend, uh, the the person growing up I loved more than life itself. Yeah. You know, when I went to these institutions, I did get to come home on on a pass about one weekend a month. Um, and she was the only person I wanted to see. But um, throughout growing up, we both did about the same things. But anytime we got caught, I was the one in trouble. I was the one that got sent off. I was the one, you know, it was always, you know, and I never thought nothing of it. You know, I, I never thought nothing of it. But as I got older, you know, while I'm sitting there and, and praying for people one day, um, I realized I can't stop thinking about her. And uh, I'm like, you know, hey, God, be with my sister. She's in trouble right now. Please be with her. You know, take care of her. You know, I just, just whatever, you know, sitting there trying to figure out what's going on. And then after about a week or so, I started I started thinking of things that, that she had done that just just ticked me off. I mean, just, just to the core. Even things that, that, that she didn't even have control of, you know. Like, yeah, we both got caught uh, getting in trouble and doing stuff. And I'm the one that got, you know, a whooping or, you know, whatever for, you know. I was angry with her. At that, you know, even though she didn't do anything wrong, I was offended by her, and God was showing me this. Yeah, He was literally putting on my heart the, my next step in healing, but I, I wasn't aware of that at first. I just, I just day by day, I would get even more and more aggravated thinking about my little sister. And I'm like, why is this happening? And then it just, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I could feel the Holy Spirit saying, "I'm telling you who you need to pray for. I'm telling you who." you consider an enemy that you're not realizing. I'm yeah. telling you who you're offended by. And I, I just burst into tears, and, and I just went to praying for her like I've never prayed for anybody in my life. And um, that was probably the biggest healing I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. And, um, you know, after a little time went by, I learned about praying for your enemies but also recognizing who your enemies are. I never would have guessed the closest person to my heart was the person I was the most offended at. And there it is right there. This is exactly why I wanted to do this topic episode was for that, for that right there. Sis, if you're watching, I love you. Yeah. It's like, we don't even realize we, I mean, at the time we don't even realize exactly who our enemies are until it's revealed to us, you know, through prayer. Maybe that's the start. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. in, you know, we're sitting here telling uh, everybody the, we want you to pray for your enemies, but sometimes you don't know who they are. Yeah. And so start by asking the Holy Spirit, hey, show me. Show me who I've been offended by that I haven't forgiven. Mm-hmm. I imagine that, uh, you know, all of Shane's life, he had no idea right. that, that you know, those were scars that he bore by all that time until that moment. Right. You know, and I imagine especially that was you, a shock to the when system. you're the one getting the whooping. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> she I got did her this. fair share, but I did this and you did the same thing, right. but I, I took the brunt of it. All right. So yeah. we're, we're in, uh, we're a long way from Mississippi. And yeah. <laughs> so you're coming to this realization and, and what happened after that? Uh, well, I know what happened after that. Yeah. Um, you ended up leaving the program a little early, didn't you? Well, yeah, just a touch, you know. Um, so, um, wait, wait, wait. Didn't you have a contract that you had to uphold? I mean, okay, you didn't so, talk about the contract. Yeah. So my mom and my brother, you know, upon offering me help, uh, they wrote out a contract. I have that contract to this day. It is null and void. They told me that if I went to this program, True Hope Ministries, and I completed the 12, 14-month program, that when I came home, they would um, 
buy me, they would give me a new truck. They would put me in my own place. They would pay off all my fines, all my debts. They would make sure, you know, help me get uh, into school, or, you know, et cetera. Yeah. All of these the, things the, that he was talking about that he didn't need besides rehab. I don't need rehab. Just I need a truck. I, I need, need somebody to live. I need this. I need this. I need this. So he had a contract drawn. They had a contract drawn up for all that. for him. Yeah. But the only thing was he had to complete the program at True Hope, right? Yep. So he's done left that program after a few well, weeks. Well, before I did shape. leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But before I leave, I discussed this with God. I was like, God, you know, what about my truck and stuff? He said, hey. You told me that if I got you somewhere that that I that you could focus on me, I could heal you. Yeah. All right. You you know it, it was almost like he told me, "You want a vehicle? I will provide." Yeah. You want this? I will provide. Not mm-hmm. them. You're going to stop putting your trust in anyone other than me. That's what I felt him saying to me, and of course that that thought and that feeling alone helped me make my decision to make a. Yeah, However so, long that walk was going to be. So it it didn't matter that you went to another program. That wasn't true hope. So, no. I mean, if you would have graduated the Adult Teen Challenge well, once program. Once they found out I was there, mm-hmm. they said, look, you made a decision. You went to a good place. So, what we're going to do is we're going to continue to honor the contract. Okay. And everything still applies, but you have to finish the program. I'm like, all right, good. But then so, what? that was always on the back of my mind. Right. Whether I wanted to, you know, whether I wanted to think about it or not, everybody, every day I would think about that. Like, you know, I'm going to get this. And i try to push. I don't think like that. So, why did you leave the program? Well, so, the, the director... Um, Brother Jim, in one sermon, one Sunday morning, he said, he says, I dare each and every last one of you, and I dare you to ask the Holy Spirit to convict you of any and everything that you have pushed so far back into your mind that you don't remember it. I won't, I dare you to ask him to convict you of anything that you have long since forgotten. That I mean, and he was pretty serious with it, and I looked around, and everybody started bowing their heads, and I was like, you know what? Let's try this. Let's go. I feel like I'm... I feel like I'm squeaky clean. I ain't got no problems. Convict me, Lord. Yes. So, uh, don't you say those words if you don't mean it. Hey, hey, look, he's right. Don't mm-hmm. unless you truly mm-hmm. mean it. Because mm-hmm. you're fixing to go through everything. You want the you want the fruits of the spirit. Well, you finna get a lot of practice in gaining them. Um, so, of course, I, I I bowed my head. I said my prayer. Holy Spirit, you know, I gave him full permission, full permission to just search me thoroughly, inside and out. And um, a few days goes by. Everybody in there, you know, all the guys, they're like, man, dude, you know, this, I shouldn't have done that. You know, every, every last one of them's going through their own little, you know, trauma and trouble at that point in their minds and their hearts. And I'm like, well, I must be good to go. I don't feel a thing. Man, I'm squeaky clean. Look at me. But God. But God. Amen. The next day I woke up and that heaviness I felt at True Hope Ministries when I asked God to weigh my heart, it was back. But it was 10 times heavier. And I tried to put it off for a week. I remember telling myself, like, I don't know what this is, but I'm okay. I'm fine. Well, after about a week, I'm waking up in the middle of the night crying. I'm getting up to go down for breakfast, and I'm by the time I wake up, I'm starving. I'm getting down to go for breakfast. I don't want anything to eat. I don't want my coffee. I don't want. I don't want anything. I'm, I'm getting to where I can't eat. I can't sleep. It's like a forced fast. I can't stop crying, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. So finally, I asked. I said, "God, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not understanding what's going on. I need you." to put it on me of what I'm being convicted of right now because I, I need to know because this is obviously a conviction of some sort. And it reminded me of um, May 25th. I left in September to go to True Hope, but it, May 25th I had gotten pulled over in Pearl by uh, Cody Hamilton, and um, I was charged with felony possession. And they gave me a court date. I didn't show up. And I, to be honest with you, 
I actually forgot about all of it. Mm. I didn't care nothing about it. I mean, I spent my whole life, you know, moving drugs, doing drugs. If I got pulled over, I didn't care nothing about it. I just left and. So this is what the Holy Spirit was convicting you of was a <clears throat> was a a, a past. Uh, yeah, yeah. I assumed that I had a hefty fine or something. I didn't think nothing yeah. of it. So and this uh, is what was weighing on. This you. is what was weighing on me. So okay. I tell the director. Well, I, I waited about a week. I held this this information to myself, and I was like, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And I started praying for Cody Hamilton. I started praying for everybody, thinking that was going to lift this this up because through my experience with praying for everybody else, that's what happened. Well, some things require a different type of uh, approach. So uh, my praying for these people didn't lift anything off me. And I said, God, what am I supposed to do? And he was like, you need to tell them. Well, you know, most of my life, it was nothing to run away from anything. So I was afraid that if I went to them, it would just be just me running away from something, trying to, you know, hey, and that's, that's how they would look at it. So I go down there and I tell them, and they're like, it's no big deal. And I said, no, it is. I tried to explain to them how big of a deal I felt it was. And they were like, all right. So I went back to my station in the kitchen to work. And um, Mr. Brad Rose, his daughter, came pulling up on a golf cart. And she said, Shane, my dad needs to see you in his office. So she drove me down there to his office. And, well, everybody was sitting in there at this point. Like they were fixing to have a meeting. And I walk in. I'm like, uh-oh. And then um, he says uh, he was talking to one of his friends who is in um, law, retired law enforcement. And he says, you're did a background check. You have a full extradition out for your arrest. And my heart dropped. They said, but what which, what you need to do is you need to finish out this program, and we're going to go up to bat for you. And I'm like, well, hey, hey, that's good. God is so good. Look at this. I get to stay here with my brothers. I'm good to go. They're going to take, they're going to go to bat. I ain't got to go to jail. I'm straight. I'm staying here. But then what happened? <sighs> that weight got heavy, real heavy. Was it like millstone weight? I mean, we're talking about man. I, I it was like a compression weight all around, and, and it was it was over my mind, it was over my spirit, it was over my my heart, it was just over everything I did. So what did um, you do? So um, I put it off for about a week. Something kept telling me, "Hey, tell them you need to go turn yourself in." I'm like, "No, no, no! You, you know, we, we heard what they said. You know, they we gonna we gonna finish this ride out, and they're gonna go up to bat, and I ain't got to go to jail. I'm good to go. I ain't leaving." And it got real heavy. So after two weeks of just pure suffering, about a week and a half, two weeks of just pure suffering, trying to put this off, I was like, all right, there's only one way to find out if this, uh, if, if I'm fixing to make the right decision and if this weight's going to lift off. I went in the office that morning. A matter of fact, I was talking to another student in the cafeteria. And um, at this point, I can't control my emotions. I can't, I can't do anything the way I want to anymore. And I'm a happy-go-lucky person. And I was there, and for some reason, I just wanted to fight this kid this morning. I mean, I, I wanted to argue, I wanted to instigate, and I wanted to fight. And me and him got to argue, and I stopped. And I said, I am so sorry. It's not you. This is me. And I could tell he had no idea what I was talking about. And I took off running to the office. And I told them, I said, I need to leave. I need to go turn myself in right now. They said, all right, well, we're taking you to the sheriff's department. I said, okay. Let's go. Let's go. And when I started packing all my bags and stuff, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, I got the the weight was lifting, but just thinking about all the guys that I, you know, all the brothers I had met, all the relationships and bonds I had made with these guys, you know, and, you know, and, and feeling like I actually have real family, you know, was, was, it was kind of getting to me. But once they got me to that sheriff's department, let me out and I went inside, all that subsided. I was like, God was showing me, a, you know, where I needed to be. I go in the sheriff's department, I sit down 
They asked me what I was doing there. I told them the situation. They said, well, you know, just have a seat back here, and we'll get back with you. And he comes back in there about five minutes later and says, Mr. Rogers, yes, you do have a full extradition out for your arrest. He said, um, we're going to have to lock you in here. I said, yes, sir. They said, they got two weeks to come get you, or we'll release you. I said, yes, sir. He comes back in there about 15 minutes later and says, Rankin County does not want to pursue you anymore. Mm. I'm sitting there thinking, what do I do now? Teen Challenge is not letting me come back. They made no. that clear when I left. And um, so how, I said, how did you get back to Mississippi? So I said, God, I'm walking by faith, not by sight. Let's do this. Um, I walked around for about two and a half hours, got to a, got to a little, got to a hospital that has a, uh, you know, look, a little one bench with a little roof over it, you know, pavilion thing or whatever for a bus stop. And I, I walked right past it and something said, stop. So I stopped and I looked over and I saw that bench and I just felt this this calming sense when I looked at the bench. So I said, okay, go over here. I sat down, I, I, I walked under there, sat down, and it's it's probably about 30 degrees outside. As soon as I got up under that little pavilion and sat down, the sky fell out. It went to pouring down rain. And I was like, all right. Well, the rain subsided for just a second and this old woman come walking up on a walker. And um, she sat down beside me and she just went to talking to me and asked me my story. And I was telling her, she said, okay. She said, baby, I wish I would have wore socks today. And I looked down, it's freezing. I looked down, she's, yeah, she's got on, she's on flip-flops, no socks, and it's freezing. I said, I got some socks. And I, I opened up my, I zip my bag real quick and get this new pair of big, thick wool socks. Um, and I put them on her feet. And she goes, you know what you should do? You should go to Bluefield Missions. You need to get on the next bus, and you go to Bluefield Missions and tell them what's going on. I said, Yes, ma'am. Well, she got up, and she walked She walked right on away. And I was like, okay. So I got to thinking about it for a second. And I was like, wait, do what? And I looked over, and she's gone. I'm looking around. I'm like. Never know when you're entertaining angels. I was like, Where, where'd she go? I was like, okay. Well, that's what that was my next thought. I was like, well, she must have been an angel or something. So bus pulls up. And he says, hey, you riding this bus? I said, the lady just told me to get on the next bus to Bluefield Missions. He says, that's the next bus. Now, mind you, I just left Teen Challenge, right? I've yeah. been there four months. I was at the other place for two weeks. My weight's up, all right? Got a nice haircut. I'm dressed to the nines. I got on, you know, got on dress shoes, uh, nice dress slacks, you know, a uh, little quarter zip, North Face. You know, I'm, I'm looking good. This, and, the, and the bus driver pulls up, and he goes, do you at least have bus fare? I don't look like I need to be asked if I have money, all right? And I just remember touching my pockets, and I was like, I looked up. I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, here. Bus driver pulls out a $1.50, hands it to me. He pulls off. The next bus pulls up. I said, is this going to Bluefield Missions? He said, yeah. I said, all right, that's my bus. I get on, and uh, it stops about two miles from Bluefield uh, Missions, and he says, you got to keep walking that way. This is the last stop for this bus. Okay. So God's like, come on, Shane. Let me see how far you're going to go. You going to give up or not? I'm not giving up. I get there. I talk to them. I tell them what's going on. They said, we've never had anything like this. We just feed the homeless. And I said, okay. They said, but what we will do is we'll get you a hotel room for the night. But you have to get to that hotel room. We cannot give you a lift. I said, that's fine with me. So they used a napkin and drew me some stick figure line directions. <laughs> I've got no clue where I'm at. I said, all right, thank you. I get to walking. And I'm like, man, I hope I don't miss my turn. White Avalanche pulls up beside me. He says, hey, do you remember me? And now, mind you, this is probably at about 9.30 at night at this point. See, I, it was probably about 1 o'clock, you know, whenever I um, left walking that police station or, you know, the bus stop. So, yeah. um, 
He says, hey, um, he said, no, he, he let down the window. He said, hey, did you make it to Bluefield? And I said, yes, sir. He said, you remember me? He said, no, sir. He said, I'm the bus driver that gave you the bus fare. He said, what do they do? I said, they gave me a hotel room, but I just got to get to it. He said, yeah. He said, where's it at? I said, I read the address. Off. He said, oh, yeah, you've been past it. I done walked an hour past this place. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, look look what God does. And this man said, he says, he says I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I don't come to this side of town. He said, this is the ghetto. He said, I'm not, I don't come over here. I have no business over here except for to go to the bus station and get my bus. He said, but he said, I wanted some bean dip and uh, or some type of dip. Well, avocado. He wanted a certain type of avocado dip, and they didn't have it at his normal store. So he went to, he had to go to this other store, the only other place that carries it in town, which is where I was. And they didn't have it. So he was on his way home. Wow. And uh, he says, uh, Anyways, I get in there, he said, he takes me to, he starts driving me to the hotel. And he says, uh, so what brings you here? And I tell him my story. I tell him what's going on from A all the way to Z and where I'm at in that truck right now and everything God's done for me. He says, I haven't talked to my brother in 10 years. He said, since our mom died. And the last thing I told him, he said, you killed her because you were on drugs and I don't want you in my life anymore. He said, it's been 10 years. He said, because of what you've told me. He said, I'm going to reach out to my brother and I'm going to get him help and we're going to get him right. Wow. That's and, incredible. Uh, at that point, he takes me to the hotel. I'm there for two days, and these people show up. Well, I'm there for one day. I go back to the Bluefield Missions to get a hot dog. The next day, I'm hungry. They give out food. And, of course, God fed me there. And then they send me back, and they said they're going to get me a room for one more night, but I need to be up at 5 o'clock in the morning because my bus to Mississippi leaves at 6 on a Greyhound. They provided. Now, in this contract we spoke of yeah. prior to this, that contract states that uh, if I leave the program, period, which it followed over in a teen challenge. They will not assist me with any way home. They will have nothing more to do with me, and they won't be answering any phone calls, and any obligation that I thought that they had of me is, is, is null and void. Period. There was, And they're, they're real serious now. Now, I will say this about my brother and my mom. They are business-oriented. Period. I don't care how close you are to them. Well, anyways, uh, God brings me home. I'm on High Street walking from the bus station, and for the first time in my life, somebody pulls up. Now, mind you, they're drinking and driving. He pulls up and says, hey, where are you going? I said, Rankin County. He said, hop in. I'll get you a ride. From Hines County. This dude's drinking and driving. It looked like he'd been up all night. I said, well, God, you've put everybody else in front of me right now. I don't see why this guy wouldn't be. He drives me straight to Pearl. <laughs> I mean, all the way into Pearl. He drove me all the way to the heart of Pearl. <laughs> I finally got out, and I said, oh, I can make it from here. And um, anyways, God, I felt this, this. I felt it come over my heart and my mind. It said, all right, now go turn yourself in. All right. Let me stop you right there. Yeah. All right. We're going to have to leave this episode on a cliffhanger. Yeah, I was about to say. We, yeah. We, okay. so we are out of time would you right mind, now. Would you mind coming back and sharing the rest of your story next Saturday? I would be honored. This would be, awesome. this right, would be a first. So everybody's right, wa- yeah. everybody that's watching, y'all y'all uh, are listening to this, know that we're going to do a part two part because two Shane has so much Shane more. Shane Rogers story. And look, before we go, I have a gift for Shane Rogers. I like to give a little swag back sometimes, and I've got him one, so just swag. hold tight. I never swag get any swag. I need some swag. Danny, do you get swag? I didn't get swag. Y'all were born with it. Oh. In that case. John, you didn't have to do this. Oh, I know I didn't have to do it. First, I have. He didn't. I did. Well, Kelly, this is from from Kelly Kay. This is his 40-day devotional. Think about that for a minute. I need that. That's right. And then um, I went through cups. Like, um, on my way in, I stopped, and there's always... An awesome coffee cup for my guests when I get there. And when I saw this, I knew that it was Shane. So when you when you take this out, I want you to hold it up to the camera for everybody to see. 
coffee cup. This this is the one I'm I needed. Kidding. Yes. What does it say? Come back with a warrant. Oh. <laughs> so, let's see. It, really? Yeah. It says, it says come back come with back a warrant. It's <laughs> <laughs> a coffee cup that says come back cups. with a warrant. You can find these at your local cups and espressos cafe. Yes. So tune in next Saturday for part two of the Shane Rogers story. I won't be here. You might be. I'll be in Cuba. Oh, that's right. Uh, He's going to Cuba. That's right. Uh, Palmer, everybody pray for Palmer and the crew that's going to Cuba uh, Wednesday. Yep. And we love y'all and thank you for tuning in and hit my music, Danny. I feel like.